So I want to get right into the true source this morning. And I want to share the story, that I, the miracle that happened. Oftentimes, there's two miracles. We see the feeding of the 4,000 and we see the feeding of the 5,000. So often when we think about that story, we are thinking of the five barley loaves, the two fish, and how God can take a little and make a lot. And oftentimes we actually do offerings like that. Just give your little and God can do so much more with it, which there is truth in that statement, but that is not the point. You're going to hear me. I was at a Wednesday night youth unite I had to take because Pastor Mike's in Malaysia. I had to take our youth group, and there's a guy that spoke, and he almost did the speaking and rapping. So if I start rapping this morning, I apologize. But I understood what he said. What was the point? That was not the point. So if I do that, I'm sorry this morning. But we hear, we see the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. But we got to put context to the story. Right before He is going to do this miracle, He had sent the uh, disciples out two by two in Luke 9, you see. And He gave them authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to go and proclaim the kingdom. And saying this, actually, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That was the message. And he said, anybody that receives you into the house, let your peace stay there. So they were sent out and did what Christ had asked them to do. And they saw many miracles. Many miracles. Well, they came back reporting to Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. And Jesus challenges them in the, in the midst of that and says, you know what, that's cool, but even cooler that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so they do this miracle, they come back, and Christ wants to take them to the side and begin to teach them some different things and really talk to them, kind of hone them back in on what the true reason is why they did what they did. And as He pulled them to the side, we see that many people came to Christ. And one thing I like and love about Jesus, He never rejected the masses. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that at the end of the sermon. So he was pulling them to the side, and but yet the Passover was getting ready to take place. A multitude of people were coming, and Christ saw that they were coming, and he was teaching them, and he realized that they needed food too. And I want you to know that Jesus is the true source. If you are lacking, that he wants to meet your need. But that's not the point in the miracle. And so he turns to, uh, he has two of his disciples by him, and he says to Philip, hey, Philip, where are we going to buy food for the masses? Now, this is my paraphrase, but it's in there, John 6, 1 through 15. And Philip looks at him and says, Lord, even 200 denarii, which is one day wage, one denarii, even 200 denarii, would not even give them a little bite to eat. But Jesus said this, knowing what He was going to do, He was testing Philip. And then He goes on to say, or Andrew, Simon Peter's 
brother says, look, Lord, and I almost hear sarcasm in this. Look, Lord, there is five barley loaves and two fishes. Like, that's all we got. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Because that is the point. Jesus was testing them, saying, where is your source? Where is your source? And he's standing right in front of them. And then he says, okay, you have the people sit by 50 and 100, have them sit in the grass, and I will feed them. And so he, what he does is he takes the five barley loaves and the two fishes, and he blesses it. And then he gives it to the disciples, and they go out, and they begin to feed the masses. 5,000 men were fed today. Why did, or that day, why does it say 5,000 men? Because there were family and children too, so it wasn't just 5,000. There was a lot of people there. So much so that the people took what they wanted and were filled. That is God's provision. And He is a provider. But that's not the point. So he goes and he tells the disciples, go and take uh, baskets and fill them up. And he, how many baskets did he fill up? He filled up 12 baskets full of leftover. And then he says he wants to get away and be by himself. Because why does he want to be by himself? He knew it was in the heart of man. The Jews wanted to take him at that time after they were filled with the bread. They wanted to take him and make him king and do it by force. And he knew that he could not give his life to man because it was not his time. Which is really ironic because it fits right into the narrative of thinking the kingdom of heaven was going to come by force. And at that time, Little did they know that the kingdom of heaven was going to be for the nations. If you think about that this morning, and just for just a moment, as you are a part of a great kingdom this morning, if you have put your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that as I was praying over the sermon yesterday, and I thought, this is a big deal. You sitting in this pew, there is a worldwide kingdom that is worshiping our Lord today, yesterday, and the day before, actually seven days a week. You are part of that kingdom. So Jesus sends His disciples. He says, I'm not going to do it. He pulls Himself away. He goes to pray, and then He sends His disciples over to the other side. And so the night passes. Well, that night, Jesus walks on water. We're not going to talk about that. But He walks on water. They invite Him in the boat, and which is really cool. But then those people that were fed that the day before come, and they notice the boats are gone, but there are other boats that have come from the other side. And they're like, where's Jesus? He didn't leave here. Where is He? And so they begin to look for Him. And then they see the boats, as the Scripture says, that came from the other side. They jumped in the boats and they went to the other side. And when they got to Jesus, so the, the first point is Jesus is the true source and the Father sees your needs and He wants to meet them. And I don't want to get too preachy this morning, but I always do, and that's just my default mode. But so often, just like what we're seeing here in this miracle that took place, we miss the point. 
Yes, it is very cool that God fed 5,000 people and He took the five loaves and the two fish and He fed them all. That is really cool. But it's not the point. And I think so often in the Christian church and different things is, what is our reasoning to come to Jesus? And if we're honest, some of us who would be really honest is that we have mixed motives. We want to see His miracles. We want to see something. We want to see the Spirit of God and the power of God moving in our lives. And I do want to see all that. I want to experience the power of God and His presence in my life to where I am not up here, but He is moving through me and speaking through me. And I would pray the same for you. But that's not even what it's all about. And so point number two is what is the true work? And so let's go to John 6, verse 26-34. through Jesus, and so they came over and they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And you notice he did not disclose it to them. And the reason he didn't disclose it to them is because they would have just marveled at another miracle. He didn't even go there with them. And so he answered them and said this, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal and approval on Him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they ask. Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the One He has sent. See, he's getting to the point of the miracle which they could not see. And then they go on to say this. They had the audacity to say this in verse 30. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? Can you believe what they are saying? How many of you are like this? God does something miraculous in your life Then you need Him to do it again. And then you begin to question, Lord, where are You? Why aren't You moving? We've missed the point. Although we know that God meets our needs and He is our provider, that is not the point. So they ask Him. They say, what are you going to perform Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. And if you think about that statement, Sir, give us this bread always, it's no different than we see in John 4 when he was talking to the woman in the well, when she was talking about the life or the water, and he says, I come to give you life and water. You'll never thirst again. It's the same thing. Jesus is saying, I am the true water. I am the true bread. I provide all your needs. Everything that you need is in me. 
And so although oftentimes the miracles point to a certain thing that only Christ can do, still we miss the point. That all our source is in Christ alone. The song that we sang this morning, it is not by happenstance. I didn't know He was going to do it. But Christ alone is the one who can meet our needs. And He is our salvation. And He is our rock. And so I ask you this morning, why are you here? Why did you show up in the pews this morning? First of all, I want you to know that Christ wants to meet your needs, your hurts, and your wounds. He wants to heal them, and your sin problem, He can deal with them. He can, and He wants to. But the true point in this miracle that we see here is He is saying, look, you want to be filled with bread that perishes, Don't work for the things that perish. How many of us are working for things that when our life is over, it is done, there's nothing that we can take into eternity. But we're slaving over it. We're slaving to get a new car. We're slaving to be in the best home. We're slaving to do things that one day will perish. And I realize this makes us all uncomfortable because all of us are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. And I am like you this morning that I struggle with things and I get confused because the world has a lot of cool things to offer. But they're not my source. They can bring pleasure for the moment. But they have no eternal weight of value. There is only one that has the eternal weight of value, and that is Christ Jesus. And so he says, What might they say? What must we do? And Jesus says this. He has the audacity to say, because the Father has sent this seal and approval on him, he is eternal life. I am the bread. I am everything that you need today. If Jesus was standing right here and He is in our midst, what would we do? What would we say? How would our lives be changed and transformed? Why did you come today? What did you come to see? Did you come to be seen? Or did you come to exalt Christ? Did you come to meet Him and to know Him? And I realized this morning that this is very basic. I'm like, Lord, why are we going back to the basics? And I heard not too long ago that the basics are good. It's like drinking from a fountain that we forgot we can drink from. The basics are where we get our water. It's where we get our bread. Jesus is the basic for everything in this Christian life. And I didn't know I was going to preach like this, so there's a reason for everything. And as I was contemplating yesterday, 
had a busy day yesterday, and the Lord said, do you trust my grace? He said, Lord, Lord, of course, I know that I can do nothing apart from you. I know that. You know that I know that you know that I know that you know. I may have to convince, as if I had to convince him. And then I would go on and pray a little more, and then Jesus would again remind me, is my grace enough for you? Pray a little bit longer. And I'd be like, God, I don't, I don't know. Will you touch the church? Will you bless this? Will you bless that? And then he asked me again, is my grace enough for you? And it is enough for you and I to live a Christian life that is Jesus-centered where he is our source. So, let's get to the true point. Verse 35 through 51, it's a lot of Scripture. I'm not for sure that I'll read it all. But just bear with me. Because I think the Scripture actually, I hold very true. The Scripture, I could sit up here today, or I could stand up here today, and just read Scripture, and that should be enough. Especially when the Scriptures are so powerful and want to give us the direction to life. So Jesus says this. He has the audacity to say this. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to Me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in Me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen, and yet you do not believe. There are some people, there has to be some people even here today that you have seen Christ, you have seen His miracles, but you still do not believe. And But listen to this. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. Thank You, Lord. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, thank You, Jesus, but that the will of Him who sent Me, this is the will of Him who sent Me, that I should lose none of those He has given Me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son believes in Him and will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Do you realize this morning, this is no joke, that there is a last day that is coming? And that those who go to Jesus and put their lordship under his, or put his lordship over their life and are under the authority of the cross and the resurrection, that he will raise you up. And must I remind us over and over, and even myself, is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That never gets old. Is it old for you? If it is old for you, then where is your source? Should we not be weeping over our altars again? Should we not be weeping for the lost souls of men and women, even those in the midst of us today? But instead, we're we're seeing, but we're not believing, and we've got our uh, focus off the source. We've got our own agendas playing out in front of us. But Christ 
It's awesome because He was the Son of God. He came from heaven. But He didn't come to do His own agenda. If anybody could have done what He wanted, it was Christ. But He chose to subject Himself to the Father's will. And so, therefore, the Jews... Okay, verse 41. Therefore, the Jews started complaining about Him because He said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. You see, some of us have come to Christ out of wrong motives. And so when Christ begins to challenge us and begins to point out our sinfulness, we begin to complain about what He's saying. And that's what they're doing here. And then they go on in verse 42. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them and said, stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day as it is written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. Everyone who is listened to and learned from the Father, comes to Me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the One who is from God. He has seen the Father. Remember, this series is knowing God through Jesus. And then He goes on to say, and I won't read it all, but 47-51, through that He is the bread that comes down. And then he compares himself to the manna that was sent down. And they actually said Moses is the one who brought down the manna. And Jesus corrected them very clearly and so it said, no, it was God that provided the manna. You see, man provides nothing. See, I want you to understand this. You that have been walking in the Christian life and have followed men or women as if they can be your salvation, that is so false that it is only through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He is the true soul. So this is where church growth 101 does not mesh up with Jesus Christ. So Jesus has 5,000 people, just men, not including women and children. That's a good crowd. I'd be pretty stoked. They were following Him for the wrong motive. And He's trying to say to them that I'm your source. You see, I provided bread for you, but I was just pointing to Myself. That is all I am doing in this miracle. Every miracle that Jesus ever performed always brought glory to the Father. Never glory to Himself. He's the source. And then He says this, He says, unless you drink My blood and eat My flesh, you can't be My disciple. He's just cutting to the source. 5,000 people, listen, there are going to be some of you today that can't take the words of Jesus. These words to you are going to be offensive today. That's just a fact. And so he says this, and many of them turn away. Jesus was not a good church planner. 
Actually, he was a good church planner. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. But he didn't need the masses to turn the world upside down. But he needed the disciples to know that he is their source. So they walk away, they fall away, and they just go on. But Jesus knew this was going to happen. And then he asked the disciples, so are you going to leave me too? And they were very honest with Jesus and said, where else are we going to go, Lord? There's nowhere else for us to turn. If you've tasted and seen that Jesus is your source, there is nowhere else for you to run to. And that's a good place to be. Let me ask you a few questions this morning. Why are you here today? We'll be honest, a lot of us have mixed motives. We've prayed for you. As soon as you hit the doors, that, that you would be in tuned and to hear from God today. That's our prayer for you. No mixed motives here. Then I would like to ask, what did you come to see? I joke a lot, and I know I'm a good-looking guy, but you, you didn't come to see me. Now, my wife, she's doing nursery. She didn't even come to see me. What did you come to see today? What need do you have? Could it be that the needs and your desires this morning that are pushing you and driving you are driving you back? to the source of Jesus Christ. See, so often we want God to take away our trials, our burdens, and our misery, and our wounds, when really our wounds, and all these things are pointing us back to our true source. Satan wants to destroy you, but Jesus wants to restore you. This morning... The worship guys could come up. I want to kind of give you a little bit of an illustration that I feel very strongly about this morning. You know what repentance is, right? Repentance is taking a 180 from where you were headed and turning around to the right direction. So what's happening, and I really feel strongly about this, is that we are walking in a direction... And I don't know if it's the right direction. Actually, I think it's the wrong direction for some of us. And that that end goal is not Jesus. And you see, Jesus told His disciples, you go and declare the kingdom that it is at hand and that people should repent. And so we're going, some of us are going this way, and Jesus this morning, in His mercy, in His love, in His grace, is saying, you need to turn around, and you need to find the true source. And I realize that the cross is offensive, but it is only offensive to the dying world. 
But to those who have found Christ Jesus, that cross is the sweetest of anything we have ever seen. Because I know at the cross my sins have been taken care of and that my source is in Jesus alone. And then at the cross there's an empty grave which we'll be celebrating in a couple weeks. You see, I'm not going to fool you this morning. Paul Washer said this. He said, I'm not going to tell men that they're saved. That's not my job. It's God's job to tell you that you're saved. And I thought that's pretty profound because I could sit up here and say, you say a prayer, you're saved, you're in the kingdom. But the truth is, is there are many people that have said a prayer and then you ask them to follow Christ and they say, no way. I can't do that. It is too hard. That is offensive. You see a preacher that comes this morning, and I'm really sorry, guys, I usually don't preach like this. But if a preacher comes and says, hey, you're sinning, you know what we do? We get offended. How could you say that to me? And then we walk away, we're offended. I think there needs to be a lot more offending going on in the church. And I will tell you this, just to be honest with you, I have a hard time preaching hard because I do not see Jesus rejecting the sinner, not once in Scripture. And He's convicted me deeply. But you know who He did rebuke? You know who He did talk harshly to? It was those that were sitting back thinking they were okay and they were not okay. Those are the ones that need Jesus. So really, all of us come to the same place. Whether you're sick, you're sinful, and you're not following Him, you need Jesus. And whether you're depending on your own righteousness or your own works, you need Jesus. So why don't we just confess this morning that we all need Jesus, that He is the source. So I want to ask you this morning to turn and repent. Turn and repent. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you've tasted of His goodness and that He's the source, there's nothing to turn back to. And for some of you, you need to know this. And this is a fact that you need to know. When the Spirit came into you, you need to know that He will convict you. Some of us worry and wonder if we're really in, but I want you to know that when you are walking according to Jesus being your source and that you have the Holy Spirit in you, you may get off sometimes, but the Holy Spirit will always remind you to get back on the straight and narrow and see the choice you have. Are you going to get back on the straight and narrow? Are you going to continue to go your own way? How do you end on that note? Repent. That's it. We need to repent. Where are you on the pen? Where are we, Lord? Let's pray together.
we we truly trust you lord and your word tells us not to depend on ourselves lord or anything but you lord and we admit to you that it's so hard when we're going through life and there's troubles all around us lord and we get caught up in our mistakes and our sins and our bad habits Lord, and we don't know what to do at all times, God, but would you help us this morning to turn around and Jesus, I pray that nobody in this house, in this church will walk away this morning unchanged How have we erred? Your word tells us that for you to create a clean heart in us, and Lord, search my ways. And if there are any wicked ways in me, Lord, that you would show me that I could repent and be forgiven, Lord. So will you show us every petty? every little sin is festering within our hearts, Lord, would you show us today? Would you help us to turn and repent? And again, maybe for the first time, seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Or maybe, Lord, it's a call to rededicating our lives to Your purposes. And again, to seeking Your kingdom and Your righteousness, Lord. And everything else, Lord, You will take care of it, Lord. Just as we saw the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, You are the true bread. And we declare, Lord, that You are the way truth and the life and that no one can go to the Father except through you I want to do something this morning if you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed I want to ask you this morning this isn't something I normally do but I want to ask you this morning do you know Jesus as your source If you don't, I'm going to ask you this morning that you would ask Him to come and to be Lord of your life. And I realize that it will be the beginning of a journey for you. And I want you to hold tight because this journey isn't always easy. But He loved you enough to die for you. He loved you enough to have this preacher up here this morning telling you that you need to repent and turn to Him. If that's you, cry out to Him. And then there's
there's the other side of the pendulum that maybe you had once confessed your love for Jesus Christ and you knew that you needed Him at the moment you knew that you needed Him but the cares of this world had began to choke out the word that we talked about not too long ago the cares of the world has choked out His Word. Where no longer do you see Jesus. And actually, there are some of you in here that don't even feel you know Him anymore. I want to ask you also to repent. And to ask Him for forgiveness for letting the cares of the world Jesus Christ. So this morning as we worship together, meditate on these words and if Christ is doing something in your life, there will be a couple elders up here and myself to pray with you if you need it. And I would challenge you to be bold. to take the step of faith that says I need Jesus even above my own worries my own reputation I just need Jesus today so I challenge as we worship together if you need prayer please come forward and we'll pray with you so please stand as we worship together